Hey guys, Mary Vallarta here. Welcome back to Just Flow With It. This is a podcast that is meant to inspire all of us to flow with our talents and our gifts. So that means us being our true authentic selves, being who we truly are in our spirits every day, all day. So today I want to talk about Ayurveda. And the reason why I want to talk about Ayurveda and I figured it'd be fun is because two weeks ago I shared that I am studying to become an Ayurveda advisor. And during that, I want to also share the information that I'm learning with you. Um, Reason why I want to do that, because I think Ayurveda is such a powerful tool that can benefit so many people. Um, it can benefit so many people because it is a tool that is meant to, to, to help you with your health and not just the health in your body, but also the health of your mind, which then can help to facilitate spiritual growth and spiritual transcendence so that we can all live more consciously every single day. And the reason why that's important is because We as a society are so disconnected from each other and so disconnected from nature. And we're disconnected because we don't even know how to listen to our own bodies. Um, A lot of us don't even know how to listen to the thoughts that we're having or to pay attention to um, where we are in terms of our state of mind. And so Ayurveda helps us really look at that and make sense of everything that our bodies and our minds are trying to tell us. So um, let me know if you have any questions, actually, because what I want this to be is a place where, yes, I teach you and share the knowledge of Ayurveda, but also I want to give you guys the things that you actually want to hear, the things that will actually help you um, with your health, with your you know, with your growth, with everything that has to do with just, um, growing and, and living consciously, which Ayurveda teaches us is really the whole goal in life. It's, it's to live in consciousness. Um, so what is Ayurveda? It is a, an ancient health system. It's been said to be about 5,000 to 7,000 years old. That's what I've seen so far in my studies and also when I Google it. Um, but it's a health system that originated in ancient India. And it is a unique medical system because it looks at the person from a holistic view, meaning they define health as your physical health, which is your body, and then your mental health with your mind, and then also your spiritual health with your soul. So it takes into account all those facets of your being in order to um, really look at what health means for you. And because, you know, everyone is a different person, Ayurveda teaches us that really the only person who can know what true health is for them is yourself. And that's why they give us tools in order to better understand how our bodies and our mind works. Um, Ayurveda is also very different from Western medicine in that it does not focus on diagnosing or curing a symptom. Um, As, you know, we all know, it's very easy to zero in on whether that's a rash or a cough and, and really get 
concentrated on fixing that specific symptom. With Ayurveda, it's more about getting to the root cause as to why that rash might be happening, as to why that cough might be happening. Because what it intends to do isn't to cure the symptom, right? It's, it's not to, to, to alleviate the symptom. It's more about rebalancing your body, knowing how to, to balance back all the energies that are flowing through your body, that are flowing through your mind. And, and those energies are what Ayurveda teaches us to balance. So the purpose of Ayurveda, as I mentioned, is to get your mind and body right so that way you can have the capacity to experience consciousness, to go through spiritual transcendence. And the reason why one cannot go through spiritual growth when their body and minds aren't in shape is because you won't have the capacity. If you're sick all the time, all you're going to be worried about or thinking about is to get better. That's your main priority. It's not really to, you know, elevate your consciousness or to open up um, and and free your soul. It's not going to be that because you're just concerned about, I need to get well. I need to get better. And the same thing with your mind. If, if, if your mental health, you know, is, is, is not there, like you're not in a good space mentally, emotionally, then you're not going to have the bandwidth to go about liberating your soul, you know, and living in consciousness because you're just not there. So that's really the whole point of Ayurveda. Yes, it's great to be healthy, but health is really all about making sure that we fulfill our duty here on earth, which is to live consciously, right? To, To go through spiritual transcendence. So Ayurveda teaches us and if you're going to get anything out of this podcast, I um, hope that it's these two things. Number one, it teaches us that our natural state is the state of balance, of health, of true health. Um, we are all born with a state of health. Um, every one of us came here with a unique body and mind composition, and that body and mind composition, we tend to lose as we age, as we grow older for a variety of reasons. We lose it because of the food that we've been fed. We lose it because of the environmental stressors that are around us. We lose it because of what society tells us in terms of what's right and what's wrong and how to become. But as we get older, we start to really wake up from that sleep, from that nap. And Ayurveda really helps bring us back to that natural state that we are in. We are all, we all have the capacity, the potential, and it is our birthright to be healthy, to feel fulfilled, to be conscious, to live without disease. So it's definitely something that is possible. And that is something that I'm very passionate about learning for myself and also sharing with the people around me. The second thing that Ayurveda teaches us is balance. Um, There is no, you know, cure, one cure for everything. There is no one prescription for everyone. There is no such thing as, you know, the perfect diet 
for every single person. It's all about finding the balance for yourself. Um, it's all about learning how to make sure that you are balancing the different energies that are in your body. And speaking of energies, this is the perfect time for me to really define what energies I am talking about. So there are three energies that govern everything in the entire universe. And those energies are called the Mahagunas. The Mahagunas translates to things that bind us or the great things that bind us. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some variations to the translations because they're in Sanskrit, but um, you get the gist. So the Mahagunas dictates the traits or functioning of every single thing that's found in nature. So for us, the Mahagunas dictates and or influences the state of mind, the state of our mind. And the three Mahagunas are Sattva, Rajas, and Tamas. Sattva is harmony, balance, and light. That's what Sattva is. So it's a type of energy that goes up and goes inward. And Sattva brings about the development of awakening. It opens our minds. It opens our soul. It cultivates happiness, higher intelligence, peace, clarity, truth. So as you're hearing this, I'm sure you're thinking, oh, wow, sattva sounds really positive and, and magical. And this is, you know, what, what transcendence is all about. And yes, sattva, we were all born in a state of sattva. That is something that is in our minds. So that is something that we can actually continue to cultivate. Now, the th second energy is called rajas. Now, rajas is all about activity, mobility, so movement. It's also about turbulence and distraction, okay? So the energy for rajas goes outward to the external, whereas sattva is more inward, right? Like introspective, right? Like, you know, developing, developing of your awakening, whereas rajas is more energy going out. So that cultivates... Um, self-seeking actions. Um, it cultivates creativity, but that creativity is attached to the external world. So it's not creativity with yourself, but it's creativity that is dependent on what's going out there in the physical realm. Um, Rajas cultivates um, pain, suffering, and also it clouds the mind. So this is a lot different than the energy that sattva cultivates, right? Because rajas, you can definitely see that too much of it can be very destructive because it can lead you down a path of distraction and pain and suffering and even greed um, and selfishness. However, it's really important to also know that if all you have in your, if all you're focusing is just pure sattva and you don't have any rajic tendencies. I don't even know if that's the proper term, rajic, but let's flow with it. And if you don't have any rajic tendencies, then the impact of that will be maybe suffering in the external world because we all need homes to live in, right? Unless you want to live outside, which is fine. That's everybody's, you know, um, preference because um, you, you can definitely live off the grid and, and um, live in the forest um, or, you know, 
somewhere that isn't in the city, but typically like you would need money to buy food, um, rent or buy a home. Um, you'd need uh, a career, right, to make money. So those are the types of things that rajas can cultivate. Again, too much of it can be destructive. The third energy on your mind is tamas. Tamas is all about inertia, dullness, darkness, heaviness, right? Like obstructive blockings. The energy goes down. So tamas can cause delusion, ignorance, materialism, and it definitely closes up your mind. So again, tamas, you could definitely see the destructive nature in it. Okay, but it's also something that is useful. Not having tamas can impact us in a way where might not want any type of materialism, meaning like um, fashion might not be possible um, because we all need clothes, right? And then, you know, in terms of being a professional, like you need certain types of clothes to wear, shoes to wear, um, I don't know, makeup to wear. And, and tamas can help facilitate that. So those are the three energies, sattva, rajas, and tamas. And as I mentioned, it dictates the state of our mind. The key with these three energies is learning how to balance them, okay? It's not about removing them because none of these three are bad, And that's something that Ayurveda has really taught me is that there is no such thing as good or bad. It's just is. It's if if you're going to choose to, you know, eat something that is not good for you, like you don't have to classify that as a bad action. You don't have to call yourself bad. Ooh, I'm bad for eating that ice cream. No, you just have to be okay with the impacts. You have to be okay with how it's going to affect how you're feeling how that's going to affect, I don't know, maybe you get indigestion. You just have to be okay with that impact. And you have to be okay with the the long-term impacts that's going to have in your life, whether that's shortening your life, right, or making it really unbearable because now you have to deal with these digestive problems later on. So that's the same thing with these three different energies. They're not bad, but It's just about learning how to balance and really know and become aware of when there's too much rajas or when there's too much tamas or vice versa. Maybe there's not enough of it. And that way you can go ahead and do what you need to do to balance those mahagunas out in your mind. So that's the state of mind. Now let's talk about um, our physical bodies, right? The Mahagunas affects our state of mind. So what affects our bodies in Ayurveda? Ayurveda teaches us that there are three doshas. And the doshas, again, are energies um, that compose our physical bodies. Um, And also a little bit of our minds, to be honest with you. Um, the doshas are made up of five of the five elements that are found in nature. Those elements are space, air, water, fire, and earth. The five elements created the doshas. Okay. And that's why we're a part of nature because what we're made of is the same thing that our world is made of. And that's why we are a part of nature. So the three doshas are vata, pitta, and kapha. Vata is composed of air and space, 
Pitta is composed of fire and water, and Kapha is composed of earth and water. Vata rules movement. It is the one responsible for movement in our bodies. So when you think of that, think of the qualities that air and space have, right? Air moves things, okay? Like the wind. Um, And space allows there to be actual, for lack of a better term, space between objects. And that is what is responsible for the gas in your body. That is what's responsible for um, elimination in your body, how your body pushes out, you know, the waste or the feces that's ruled by vata. Um, your organs all being perfectly intact and spaced out. That's because of the space element found in Vata. And also when, you know, you know how sometimes people say, oh, she's very spacey. Oh, she's very airheady or all that stuff. That has to do with having a Vata tendency that's affecting your mind because there's too much air in your mind. And, and that can cause behaviors like feelings of, flaky um anxiousness maybe flakiness meaning like you start projects and you never finish them um um having a lot of paranoia anxiety fear those are all excess vata meaning too much vata in your body okay um however there's also great qualities that vata um unleashes there's creativity and imagination you know how people say oh her her head is up in the clouds she's on cloud nine that euphoric feeling that feeling of just you know endless creativity where you just think of so many cool ideas and and problem solving capabilities that is all ruled by vata now pitta pitta is fire and water um so pitta people tend to be pretty intense um Pitta people are uh, tend to tend to be very ambitious. Um, they're prone to be more aggressive, definitely more impatient, um, and they're also great go getters. Pitta people, if you want something done, definitely go to someone who has a lot of pitta. Um, and before I keep going. On describing pizza, I totally forgot to let you know that everybody has all three doshas in their body. No one just has vata, no one just has pitta, no one just has kapha. Everyone has all three. The difference is we all have varying degrees of these three doshas, meaning some of us might have one more than the other, or some of us might have two doshas, you know, being more dominant than the other. So it just all depends. Some of us have equal doshic um, tendencies in us. That's really rare. Usually, predominantly, people will have one or two that's very um, apparent. And then it's rare to have meet someone who has all three. So let's keep going. Pitta, I was saying, um, giving you all the qualities of that. Pitta people are also more prone to things like inflammation, indigestion, heartburn, um, because that one is all about fire, right? You get rashes and eczema because your skin is inflamed. Fire. 
you get indigestion and heartburn because there's just too much acid in your gut. Fire, hot, right? Pitta people also tend to run hot versus Vata people, they tend to run cold because the air is cold. Pitta people also have more oil, um, so their skin is a lot more oily, whereas Vata people, since it's air, right, air is dry, air is cold, so their skin has a bit more of a tendency to dry out. Um, and then also, Pitta, people with a lot of Pitta, they tend to have a body type that is a lot more muscular. It's much easier for people with a lot of pitta to gain muscle. Whereas people who have a lot of vata tendencies tend to be a lot more on the skinny side, right? So air, air I mean, having air-like body means that your body's gonna be a lot more slender, um, not as muscular as pitta. Kapha, right? Kapha is earth and water. And kapha rules structure in your body. Vata rules movement. Pitta rules your metabolism because of the fire. It digests everything. Kapha rules structure. Um, and structure meaning your bones, right? Your, your, um, your tendons, basically the foundation of your body. That's what Kapha rules. And because kapha is made up of earth, people with a lot of kapha tend to be more on the heavier side. I'm not saying they're overweight. They just have more of a um, bigger built, right? They're a lot more structured in their composition of their body. So a lot of kapha people tend to be a lot more... Um, rounded in their body composition. Um, if you're a woman, you tend to have more of a shapely pear figure. And also kapha people are very, um, because it, it rules structure, they're very grounded, they're very nurturing, um, very kind, loving, just, just really there to support their friends and their family. Um, if there is a kapha imbalance, kapha people will tend to be a lot more prone to depression. They're also the type of people to not be that welcoming to change. Um, they also are more prone to live a sedentary life. Um, so exercise is really kapha's best friend to combat those feelings whenever there's too much kapha going on. Um, because exercise will help get your body moving. Spicy foods are also really good for kapha because their metabolism is pretty slow, especially when you compare it to pitta, right? Because kapha dosha made up of earth and water versus pitta, fire and water. So in order to stimulate more fire in someone who has a lot of kapha, spicy foods will help. Okay, now the type of foods that will help pizza people, I would recommend cooling foods like cucumbers and, you know, dill as an herb. Coconut oil will be a good oil for pizza people. Um, I would recommend to stay away from hot foods, spice, I mean, spicy foods for pizza. But 
anything that is cooling will be really good for pitta. And when I say cooling, I don't mean ice cream or smoothies or things that are frozen. <laughs> I mean food that is not going to stimulate more fire in the body. So those type of foods can be things like apples, grapes, zucchini, cilantro, Things that are also sweeter, not processed sweets, but natural, you know, natural sweet foods. Like I mentioned, grapes, apples, those are good things for pitta to eat. For kapha, I would recommend things that are a lot more, like I said, spicy. That'll be good for kapha and not so sweet. Kapha people have the tendency to gain more weight than the other two doshas um, because they're already heavy set. And again, their metabolism isn't the strongest. So you want to make sure that you really watch what you eat, you exercise. And the foods, when it comes to the foods that you're eating, make sure that you get a lot of foods that are more on the bitter, astringent side, leafy greens, um, pomegranates, beans are really great. Beans are actually good for all doshas, to be honest with you. Like they're, you can't go wrong with beans. You just have to know what type of beans might not be good for you because some beans can give you gas. Like for me, those are chickpeas. They're not my best friend. So I'll substitute it with other beans if I want to make my own hummus. Um, what else? Potatoes are good for kapha. Um, definitely spices, like I mentioned. Um, and then coffee. Coffee is actually, I don't, if you have to drink coffee, right? Limit it to once a day. But the type of people who can afford to definitely have coffee are people with a lot of kapha they can use the assistance of coffee. If you are a pitta and you're drinking coffee, that is going to be a bad combination for your already acidic stomach. So if you are a pitta person, you're already super energetic, you're already running hot, do not put coffee in your digestive system or else it's just going to cause inflammation or it's going to cause some indigestion or something because it's just too much fire for your gut to hold. And when your gut is not right, you are more susceptible to having a weak immune system, which means you're going to get sick a lot faster. And we don't want that. Okay. So those are all the things about the doshas. The doshas are so interesting. And if you guys want me to talk more about, you know, like, the diet when it comes to the different doshas, then I can go ahead and just do a whole other podcast around that. So let me know. In terms of the other types of practices that, you know, are right for different doshas, um, exercise, like I mentioned, is really great for kapha. Um, for vata people, structure is key. Structure is key because they're 
they're already prone to being airy and spacey. So what do you need when you're so elevated like that? You need to be grounded. You need to get structure, right? You need to come back to earth. So having a routine that you can follow is going to be very helpful to keep your vata in line and to rebalance everything out. Other helpful things that you can do to subside or to just balance out your vata if you're feeling too much of that is to eat grounding foods. So I personally have experienced this because I am more of a pitta vata type. Um, so I was going through a period of my life where I just felt so anxious and unsure of so many things and I was fearful of everything. And I realized that I was just not doing things that would be good for me that would be grounding for me I didn't have like a routine that I could just fall back on nor was I eating the right foods so I was just eating mainly a lot of greens because I thought that that's what you did right greens are healthy I should eat a lot of greens every single day and that's what I was doing I wasn't really eating a lot of the food that is going to be nourishing for my body like sweet potatoes grounding foods sweet potatoes Um, I wasn't eating a lot of augmenting sweeter foods like grains and butternut squashes. So once I started incorporating those types of food in my diet, right, actually eating more carbs and also creating a structure that I can follow, I started feeling so much better. And I also realized the type of structure that I needed. I, for me, I needed more financial security and that's why I went back to work because I wasn't getting that as an entrepreneur towards the latter end of my business. Um, and so just finding all these things out were really helpful for me. Um, and me realizing that that's what I needed. Ah, wow. This is awesome. So we went through the doshas. And as I mentioned, everyone is born with all three. And it's really up to us to find, you know, our balance, what works for us. When we were born, we were, we had, we had our dosha composition, right? We weren't taught that because we were babies, but we all had a specific dosha composition. Our job is to basically go back to that. The dosha constitution that you are born with is called your prakriti. And then the dosha constitution that you've changed to during, you know, growing up is called your vikriti. And your vikriti is where all of your imbalances are at. And now it's your job to find out how you can get back to your prakriti, which is your original dosha composition, which will get you to your true state of health. Okay. Now, when all doshas are in harmony in your body, as I mentioned, you're in your true state of health, you're going to start to really notice some things um, about yourself, about how you look, about how you feel. You're going to notice that this is what true health looks and feels like. And These are some of the signs of true health that you'll start to notice. Even energy throughout the day, meaning no highs and no lows with the caffeine crashes, right? Having a balanced appetite that's free of cravings and snacking throughout the day. 
easy and regular elimination, meaning no constipation. Like you can, you, you poop easily and regularly and you, you pee regularly and easily and you're able to sweat and you're able to, to secrete tears. Glowing skin, clear glowing skin. Yes, that is a sign of true health. Clear eyes that have a sparkle. A clear voice, meaning that it's not crackling and rough. Pain-free body and mind. Gosh, there's so much of us in this society that is just ridden with so much pain. And that's just because we don't know what our bodies are telling us. And we don't know how to rebalance the energies in our bodies. Sound and consistent sleep. A sense of confidence. Calmness. Good memory. A clear mind. A full range of emotions that move easily and an enthusiasm for life. So as you can see, this isn't just about how much you weigh, you know, how much fat content you have. This is really looking at how you are mentally, physically, and emotionally. Okay. And, and knowing what true health looks like will help all of us know that any ailments that we're feeling is not, is not natural. Like it's not natural to always have inflamed skin. It's not natural to always have breakouts. It's not natural to always have yeast infections. That's not something that is natural. And taking a pill is not going to help that or putting on the latest, you know, moisturizer or cleanser is not going to help that go away. It might alleviate it. You know, it might help it in the interim, but that's not what really is the root cause that needs to get balanced. So now you know what to look for in terms of what true health looks like, right? So now what do you do when you are sensing an imbalance, when you are listening to your body? Um, the first thing that you want to reference are the four pillars of health. And the reason why you would want to reference that is because those four pillars or four areas are what's going to help you determine which areas in your life might need adjusting. It's either going to be diet, your lifestyle, your quality of sleep, or your sexual energy, right? So for example, my ailments were my yeast infections, candida. I was getting, I was just getting too much of it, um, and I didn't know why it was happening and I just didn't know what to do to stop it from happening. It was just chronic. I would take a pill, the pill would not make me feel good and it would go away and it would come back. Sometimes it didn't even go away. I used pills, I used creams, I used boric acid suppositories, which worked really well, I might add, the boric acid suppositories. But then I realized once I stopped using them, my yeast infections came back and I really did not want to be dependent on a chemical, you know, like on a certain suppository for the rest of my life. I just knew that there was something else that I could be doing. Um, so that's where Ayurveda came handy. And for me, what I really needed to adjust was my diet again, um, and also my lifestyle and my sexual energy. 
So three areas were being impacted, which is why it was causing me to have yeast infections. So my diet, I just really had to, you know, keep track of what I was eating because the reason why a lot of us get sick is because our, our gut is not healthy. It's, it's not in a good place. So that means our immune system, as I mentioned earlier, is not going to be strong. Um, so I needed to get my gut back, back in shape. So I stopped drinking caffeine. Um, I started drinking warm water every single morning. That's like one of the first things I do. I do that before I eat. And then I stopped snacking throughout the day. Um, I stopped using sugar in my cooking. And I no longer eat or drink um, cold foods. Sometimes I'll have some ice cream here and there, but very, very seldom and only during the times when I know my body can handle it. So if I know that my immune system is already feeling compromised, I'm not going to eat ice cream. Um, but if I know I'm feeling great, I can I, I can um, indulge a bit, right? Then I'm going to... I'm going to take that ice cream. And I'm also very conscious about how much of it I can eat. The next thing that I mentioned is lifestyle. So I needed to make sure that I was getting enough sleep. I wasn't getting enough sleep. And so I had to fix that. Um, And then the third was my managing of my sexual energy. And that is a really huge thing for me. Um, as many other women, I've also gone through experiencing sexual assault as a child multiple times. This is something that a lot of people don't know about me, um, but it's definitely affected my sexuality as an adult woman. Combine that with a Catholic upbringing and you just have a recipe for sexual confusion and sexual shame. Um, so... I'm actually going through that journey of liberating my sexuality right now. I am just discovering through Ayurveda that a lot of our creativity, creativity, a lot of our power, a lot of our confidence is rooted in our sacral chakra. And for me, there's definitely traumas that are blocking my sacral chakra and those blockages will manifest into physical ailments, hence my chronic yeast infections. Um, Thankfully, I have the yeast infections under control. I actually haven't encountered a yeast infection in three or four months now, which is great. Um, But I still want to keep going because I know that there's still so much trauma there to unpack. So I'm really excited to start working with Dr. Sheila Campbell. I'm going to have her on the podcast soon. She's so awesome. She's like my new girl crush right now, but she works with women um, through her sexual healing programs and courses. Make sure you check her out. I'll make sure to put her website in the show notes later. Um, but if you're, you know, if, if you're having sacral blockages, it's not just going to affect you and it's not just going to affect your sex life. It's going to affect your partner. It's going to affect 
your creativity, your money-making capabilities, your confidence, everything. So I urge you guys to, you know, sisters out there, like if you are experiencing and going through that, like there needs to be healing that takes place so that you can reclaim that power. And I'm going through that right now. And honestly, I haven't even started my program with Dr. Sheila. I just talked to her on the phone, but all of my studies that I've been doing with Ayurveda has just opened my mind to how much I need that. And and having that awareness is actually my way of already starting the sexual healing process. And already I'm seeing such a huge difference with the dynamic that I'm having with my partner and also just the confidence that I'm exuding out there with what I'm doing here on the podcast and how I'm even talking to you guys right now. Um, So I'm really excited to keep continuing on that journey. So those are the four pillars four pillars. Again, that's diet, lifestyle, quality of sleep, sexual energy. If there is any feeling of imbalance, you know, those are the areas that you want to examine in terms of where you want to make changes. It could be one area, it can be a few, it can be all. And there's really no way of finding out which one is, you know, the area that you need to tackle until you try it. And that's the thing about Ayurveda. It's, it's like there's no right or wrong answer. There's no one answer. Finding balance is not easy, right? Learn, but, but it's a lot easier to take ownership of your health and not to, than to not do anything and just rely on, on somebody else. Um, I think that's, that's good. I, I feel good about, I feel good about stopping here. Um, let me know if you want to learn more. I think that I just want to close this out by saying Ayurveda has been with us for thousands and thousands of years. It has gotten lost. It now I believe is making its resurrection And I am so thankful to be a part of that because everyone, everyone deserves to have a long, healthy, balanced, fulfilled life. Everyone deserves consciousness. Everyone deserves to be connected with themselves. Everyone deserves to be connected with other people and to also be in connection with nature, with our world. Um, So thank you. And I truly believe that, you know, Connecting with ourselves, connecting with each other will just help us make this world a better place for ourselves, for our children, for other creatures in the planet, because we are not the only ones living here. There are a lot of other creatures that live here and are affected by what we do and how we think and how we behave. So I think that connecting with yourself and looking inward is a great place to start. Thank you guys so much for listening. 
please make sure to rate and review the podcast so that way more people can find Just Flow With It. If you want to get in touch with me, I am available via Instagram, Facebook. Make sure you follow me on there, like my Facebook page, and send me a message. Send me a DM. As I mentioned, I want to really know what else you guys want to learn what you want me to talk about. Maybe you have something to share or you have someone that you think could be great for the podcast for me to talk to. Let me know. Otherwise, I will see you all here back next week. And until then, take care, stay safe, have fun. And thank you. I appreciate you. Much love to you guys. Bye.